Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have a pleasure to welcome you at the next EVC podcast. My name is David Stulik. I'm a senior analyst at the EVC. And uh, today we'll have a talk with uh, my colleague from Ukraine uh, who joined our team, uh, Maria Kovac. Uh, she wo- used to work as a specialist in strategic communications and European integration uh, in the Ukrainian government. Now she is in Prague and we are very glad that EVC offered her the possibility to join our new uh, initiative, the Information Defense Hub. Uh, the EVC is a Czech uh, Prague-based think tank that deals with foreign malign influence, uh, especially with regard to Russia and China. And this kind of a focus on Ukraine is uh, kind of very natural because it exactly illustrates the threats and dangers uh, that come from Russia. And we will be talking today with Maria about the uh, foreign relations, uh, foreign policy aspects that Ukraine is very much interested in, especially the European integration, because we are just ahead of very important summits. There will be European Council summit uh, next week and Ukraine expects quite a lot from there. And this is going to be a focus of, of our talk. So now my first question to, to you, Maria, is what do Ukrainians expect uh, to happen in next days? Thank you very much for this invitation. Uh, it's my uh, honor to be here and uh, to share the information about Ukraine. Yes, of course, uh, the European integration, the uh, possibilities of granting a special status of candidate, it's priority number one for Ukrainians and for all our policy. And um, today, uh, our people uh, are really, really grateful for this chance, for this historic chance in our development. First of all, um, Ukrainians expect uh, to obtain this status candidate and and we have uh, several reasons why the European Union should give us this status of candidate. First of all, what what would it change in the life of ordinary Ukrainians, this candidate status? Why are you so keen to have it? First of all, it's our development. It's uh, it's changeable in change of uh, minds of people because today more than 91% of Ukrainians support this way of development our country. It's record uh, figures for our country and uh, this uh, aggression of Russia Federation just uh, they accelerate this desire of people to be a part of European Union. And by the way, European uh, citizens also support this way of development in Ukraine. All, Recording... all over the EU or are there some countries that are more skeptical? Uh, some of them skeptical, but in general, the majority of the European citizens support this way uh, of future integration uh, of Ukraine in uh, European institutions. According to the polls, according to uh, Eurobarometer, the official monitoring uh, tool, uh, 63% of European um, citizens support our future membership in the EU. And more than 73% want to see us as a member of European fa- family. 
though uh, the expectations of Ukrainians and um, yeah, European citizens extremely high today. This is the main reason why, uh, why we need to uh, move forward and to move faster uh, in this way. But because uh, not just public opinion, uh, the priority number one in this uh, direction, also Ukraine uh, achieved a huge progress in uh, developing and uh, in implementing the criteria uh, for the status of candidate. During the uh, last eight uh, years, uh, Ukraine did a lot of in implementing the structural reforms in framework of uh, Euro association agreement. And today our economy is ready uh, to implement uh, like uh, to implement new and new EU policies. Today we have a visa-free regime with EU. We have a um, uh, digital single market and also just uh, a few months ago our country um, joined to energy system of EU. So this is a really uh, crucial thing that opens for us a new opportunities and uh, obtaining a status candidate uh, will, uh, will show that we can do more and we can implement a, 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 like a further uh, sectoral reforms in our country. By the way, it's really important because of our economic recovery. Today, our economy suffer a lot because of Russia invasion and now more than 30% of our infrastructure destroyed. And um, obtaining a status candidate will give us a new financial instrument. So this is really, really important uh, for future development. And uh, our authorities, including this obtaining status candidate, uh, even in uh, national, national plan of recovery. And it's quite clear that it would offer these, let's say, financial benefits. It will also offer some sort of uh, anchor for your development of uh, your country for reforms. It will also be a very important moral support. But what would happen if Ukraine doesn't get this status right now? Unfortunately, we have a different positions uh, of uh, member states of the European Union. Um, of granting Ukraine this special status candidate. Some of them today hesitate and uh, they just uh, will make their decisions um, in, in, in some times. Yes, it's a challenge for us. Our authorities understand the all risks of these. Uh, and do maybe. people understand these risks? I think people, people don't understand it. Because, as I mentioned before, the expectation is really high and unfortunately our authorities uh, didn't, uh, didn't explain and some challenges of maybe non-granting this status candidate or maybe some other uh, approaches. So what will be the reaction of, let's say, ordinary people? Will they be frustrated, uh, angry? Will they yes. change their mind? Non-granting the... status candidate uh, uh, will send a wrong signal to Ukrainians. It will be a huge, huge frustration for them. Because today, when our people are fighting for freedom and for European values, 
and they are dying for this. And uh, European integration for them, it's a huge hope. Hope for changes, hope for obtaining uh, a better life. And this is understandable in case we don't uh, return, we don't grant this status. It will be a huge, huge frustration for people. But there is an option that such a decision could be made by the EU at a later stage. But my kind of a guess is that nobody's explaining it to the Ukraine society, to Ukrainian citizens, that this is not going to be the end of the world, right? Yes, unfortunately, um, our authorities didn't, uh, didn't establish this special communication with society. The main priority is obtaining the status candidate. And unfortunately, they didn't prepare the uh, plan B, yes? Today we have just plan A and all resources of our government, of our presidential administration, Verkhovna Rada, uh, government and also civil society too, mm. they are working as a one team to this goal to obtaining candidate status. But unfortunately, yes, you are right that uh, there are some risks in case we are not obtaining this. Uh, it will be great, great frustration for people. And by the way, um, it's also a powerful message uh, for Russia Federation that the European Union is not united enough, that um, the EU leaders are not ready to protect the values fundamental uh, like priorities of the European Union uh, and their propaganda will use it, will use for their uh, like desire. And don't you think so that uh, also Ukraine and Ukraine political elites could have done also recently much more in order to convince these countries? I mean here to really work on a number of key reforms and some EU member states are mentioning additional conditions uh, through which they are conditioning the status of a candidate by anti-corruption reform or judicial reforms, right? And this is not in the interest of the EU. This is, first of all, in the interest of Ukrainian people. So in that way, they are also caring about Ukrainians. Uh, and this is something that your authorities could do almost immediately to implement many of these decisions to appoint an anti-corruption prosecutor and so on and so forth. So it's not only the, let's say, the ball is not only on the side of the field of the EU, but also on the side of the Ukrainian government. Would, wouldn't you agree with that? After 2017, Ukraine implemented a, a huge sectoral uh, reforms. In particular, the um, anti-corruption infrastructure too. Um, our authorities implemented a lot of new legislation Yes, you are right. We need to do more. We need to implement uh, uh, some other uh, issues, but um, we can do it uh, at the same time, um, uh, like uh, be, a, be in status of this candidate. We can do it. And uh, today this threat of Russia Federation proved that we will do everything possible for changes, for uh, fundamental changes in uh, society, fundamental changes in our uh, managing of country, because it's a question of our surviving. 
And also, uh, in 2014, Ukraine signed a cessation agreement. And today, by the end of the 2021, Ukraine implemented uh, more than 63% in framework of cessation agreement. It's, uh, it's great results, and today our country um, meeting uh, criteria of obtaining the status candidate. So we have, like, um, economically, we are ready. Um, we have a great support of EU citizens and Ukrainians. And also it's a question of our survivance, uh, this uh, new uh, financial support. Because obtaining status candidate will open for us uh, additional financial instrument. This uh, it's a new loans, it's uh, grants. Uh, so as I mentioned, it's really, really important today. Uh, and what is the, let's say, general attitude of a people in Ukraine towards, let's say, individual EU member states? How they perceive the role of individual countries and their leadership with regard to Ukraine? What are the moods? Um, in general, the moods of Ukrainians is really, really positive, positive uh, toward the EU. And uh, today our country is really, really grateful for all of the actions, for support, for assistance of the EU member states. Uh, according to the recent polls, 80% uh, uh, of Ukrainians uh, appreciate and uh, I think the, um, like consider uh, as a friend uh, the Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, the Czech Republic. So basically the countries from Central and Eastern Europe. Yes, 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 correct. And uh, the majority of these countries also uh, our people consider as a friend. Mm -hmm. At the same time, yes, we have uh, differences uh, in different uh, approaches uh, to Hungary, to Germany. Um, the figures uh, are different <laughs> in supporting and um, even 12% of Ukrainians think that uh, um, Hungary is a hostile country for us, and just 45% uh, of our um, like citizens think that um, Hungary is our friend. But we saw it with the adoption of the last six package of EU sanctions that it was just one country mm -hmm. that was blocking it, and uh, at the end it actually pushed through own kind of demands. I mean here Hungary with regard to oil embargo as well as to the, the replacement of uh, Patriarch of Moscow, Kirill. So <clears throat> don't you, aren't you afraid that this kind of, uh, you know, unit, European unity towards Ukraine is also at the risk and the cost will be paid by Ukraine? What is your take on, on that? Yes, you are right that uh, here we have some risks and uh, uh, it not uh, it not appear just in one moment and today it may be a week ago uh, Ukraine unfortunately had uh, like uh, um, a difficult relationship with Hungary uh, after 2017 when Ukraine adopted uh, legislation um, uh, law uh, educational law 
And after that, uh, Hungary uh, was protesting about these uh, actions, about this uh, desire of Ukrainians. And Hungary blocked uh, NATO summit, uh, several NATO summits uh, with participation of Ukraine. And in general, uh, the last uh, four years, Hungary blocked our Euro-Atlantic integration. That is why we have the, the positions of Ukrainians, the, these uh, figures of support. Um, and also, since the beginning of the war, uh, we saw Ukrainians uh, thought the reactions and the response of the Hungary to all of these actions. The majority of Hungarians uh, didn't believe that the Russia started this war. And they think Small that figures are also in Slovakia, by the way. 45% think yeah, that yeah. it's the US who started the war. For sure, yeah. But and, uh, after these response, after these attitudes, how our people can uh, support them and can uh, be a friends. But, by the way, um, I believe that we have to continue to speak with them, to establish a dialogue and to try to uh, leave uh, in front, in, uh, like establish a friendship relations because we are neighbors and uh, together with neighbors we have to be uh, like um, we have established a more uh, like positive uh, politics with them. And there is a kind of a similar story or aspect of the EU, some EU member states policy towards Ukraine, because some countries, namely France, its president, argued that uh, you, we should not humiliate Putin. How would you argue against this, uh, let's say, suggestion? What would be your response? Should we or shouldn't we humiliate Putin? Yes, it's a very, very good question because uh, that during last time recently uh, some European leaders tried to repeat these Russian propaganda narratives that don't humiliate Putin, uh, not, not provoke Putin, uh, establish a peace uh, of any costs and so on. So this is a short list of Russia propaganda narratives and unfortunately, these narratives are uh, today present in rhetorics of European leaders. It's really, really bad, uh, bad signal for EU unity because it's dangerous, first of all, for um, European Union um, because it's so um, like uh, conflicts among the among the partners. And today, when the European continent um, have a huge challenge of, of war, of uh, consequences, financial, economic consequences, EU countries have to be united and strong enough and not try to cooperate with Putin. These, uh, these attempts to, to um, to establish a good uh, communication with Putin, good dialogue with aggressor, it's a wrong way. It's a wrong way of cooperation because uh, Putin started his wars in uh, 
Georgia in Ukraine 2014, not because of lack dialogue with him, yes? There were a lot of rounds of negotiations in framework of Minsk uh, process and so on. There was enough communication with aggressor. And it was France who was negotiating with yes, Putin. Yes, it was back France, it was Germany. They communicated a lot. They, um, it was big reaction on violations of international law. It was big reaction, and uh, it led to full-scale war in Ukraine. So, so what would be your advice uh, towards these countries? What should be done? not by Ukraine, but also by the other EU member states, because you said very rightly that the European Union is now at the risk. And what to do with that? I mean, this is a question that uh, is uh, of the utmost importance uh, for us, uh, the EU citizens. So what would be your external kind of advice? The priority number one for uh, like uh, for Ukraine, and for unity of the European continent, the European country, it's uh, heavy weapons to Ukraine, it's a strict sanctions, and it's a f additional financial support to Ukraine. So these key, uh, key things uh, will protect Ukraine and uh, will make Ukraine stronger, and it will give us a chance to win in this battle to win for the European values, for the European unity, and also for Ukrainian survival. Uh, this action will strengthen us together, because today our soldiers, our people are dying because of, um, because of the aggression of Russia Federation. And, uh, you know, uh, how we can communicate and establish a dialogue with the aggressor Putin gave an order to kill people in Ukraine. Uh, he gave an order to, uh, to all of these atrocities in Bucha, Irpin, Hostomel. And after all of these war crimes, how can we uh, communicate with him and try to persuade, please uh, uh, stop this war? It's a weaker position. First of all, we need to, uh, to I think, the European community uh, have to, like, uh, to make Ukraine stronger. As I mentioned, these weapons, additional financial support and strict sanctions. According to the sanctions, Ukraine has a really welcomed uh, adoption of thick package of sanctions. For us, it's really, really important things because um, it will influence to Russia, to their economy, to their possibilities of financing the war. And in time, it will, it will have the, uh, we will have together uh, only a benefits of this decision. And today, Ukraine is working on the uh, seventh package of sanctions. The, the main issue of this package will be uh, the further energy, energy gas restrictions. Deliveries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gas, gas. It's it's a crucial thing, and also uh, trade and financial sector. I think that here uh, also your 
leaders and as well as the citizens, experts in Ukraine should be also aware of the situation in the EU member states because, for example, all that assistance comes with a cost to the taxpayers. Their patience is also limited, I would say, and the costs of living are increasing. So there is a kind of already a Ukraine fatigue and I came across some opinions that these permanent calls of Zelensky that haven't changed uh, since uh, February, that he's exactly like you, arguing for more weapons, for more financial support, for more sanctions. This is already reaching some limits of uh, effectiveness. So this is something that probably people in Ukraine, experts, civil society and the government should also take into account. And uh, my question is, like, how are you then going to communicate the need for more sanctions if they are so painful already now and will be bringing even more costs, for example, with the gas deliveries? How would you then argue and explain it to the Europeans that this needs to be done? Yes, it needs to be done because of the threat for them, for, for their lives. Well, there are no bombs falling on their hands right now, uh, on their heads right now, so they don't feel this uh, threat. So we need uh, to show this that uh, uh, if we don't stop, if we uh, don't stop Putin now, they will co he will continue uh, his like uh, his actions and his aggression other to the European Union. According to the recent polls, 80% uh, of Russians uh, are supporting the um, invasion to Poland, to Lithuania and Latvia. So these countries understand us very well. But they don't, threaten, they they don't threaten Russia. Uh, sorry, Russians don't threaten or don't represent a threat to France, Germany, Spain. Yes. So there is another issue that this conflict is somewhere far, it's remote, and the people there don't feel it. They just feel the negative consequences of increased prices and so on and so forth. So there is a kind of a risk of a kind of a patience of people there to pay uh, the own costs for that. So how would you then explain it to them? I, yeah, you said that it would be necessary to bring them to I don't know, Ukraine to show them these atrocities. They do see it every day on the TV, but what else? What, what else could be done? You know, um, we understand the consequences of this war. Uh, and we in this, uh, we have already in this process. But uh, longer, the longer we are fighting, the longer this war, um, the huge, the huge consequences will be in our future. So people have to understand that uh, just uh, just strong response of our uh, allies of Western countries will stop this war and we will stop all of these consequences, financial, economic mm -hmm. and so on. So um, just yesterday I, uh, I was reading the article of Deputy Minister of Defense of Ukraine, um, of Ukraine yes, and uh, Mahler stated that Ukraine just received a 10% of weapons to our country. So maybe this is the main reason why this war continues so long, 
because we don't have uh, enough protection and we don't have enough um, like equipments and weapons to protect ourselves. And that's why maybe uh, the duration of this war uh, continue and continue. So um, we need more. And uh, after this, uh, we will end this war and uh, Ukraine will be a winner. And not only Ukraine will be winner, the European Union also will be winner in this battle. Because this battle is not just um, about Ukraine, this battle about uh, EU at whole. Could you please tell me about the reason why Putin started it? What do you think? Well, he doesn't like Western liberal democracies. Yes. It's threatening his uh, model of society. It's kind of traditional system of values. So this, so, is, a this is the main reason. Civilizational clash. This is civilizational and clash. And that's why civilization have to respond strongly, have to be united and have to be uh, like powerful more in this direction. Maria, we have like a few minutes left uh, and I will ask you very short questions uh, and I would be interested in your, let's say, f rather feelings and expectations. So what do you think is going to happen at the European Council next week? Will Ukrainian get that candidate status or not? I'm optimistic. I'm fully optimistic uh, to this issue. I hope that uh, the European politician will have the courage, will have this uh, like, uh, wisdom. wisdom, yes, and powerful decision uh, about this candidate status. Because, first of all, it's uh, it's issue, it's a question of uh, our united. And our, um, it will demonstrate that European politicians are ready to make decisions uh, to, to take responsibility for the future of the European continent. And also, it will demonstrate their leadership and they are ready to protect their uh, fundamental uh, values. Another issue, you said a few moments ago that Ukraine is going to win this war. So what is your expectation or your take on when this can happen? It's a difficult question, yes. Uh, and I think uh, any, any experts uh, can share this. So it could be predictions, but, uh, but you know, uh, our, our people, Ukrainians, they believe that we will be winner. And I absolutely believe in this. Uh, Ukraine will liberate territories uh, and uh, um, I can't tell you the exact date of this yeah. because nobody knows when it will happen. And will the Ukrainian leadership listen to some suggestions from the Western leaders to make some sort of a peace deal with Russia? Can you imagine that, that uh, there will be some sort of ceasefire soon and Ukraine is ready to sign maybe a peace agreement with Russia. Is it realistic? It is realistic when, if Ukraine will liberate our territories. 
Recently, our authorities stated that uh, Ukraine is interested in the liberation of our territories and restoring all sovereignty, sovereign territory, according to the international recognized uh, borders. So, uh, in this case, yes, we are ready for diplomacy. We are ready for capitulation of Russia Federation, for sure, but not of the price uh, of our territory and of our people. Today more than um, 10,000 Ukrainians died. And every day more than 100 people are dying. And uh, 20, 200, uh, 288 children died because of this war. So it's a huge price for us. And we can't just trade of our territory and of our people. Thank you for that. And uh, let me wish and wish you and your country all the best. And let me remind to our listeners that we had Maria Kovac, uh, Ukrainian expert on strategic communications and uh, European integration with us. And let's see what's going to happen next week. And I really hope that your prognosis uh, will be correct. So thank you very much. Thank you. And let me also remind you that you can follow us on social media uh, like uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube. And you can also find our newsletters that we produce together as Ukrainian experts uh, at our website www.europeanvalues.cz. Thank you.